Welcome into the Rebound Rundown. Today is Tuesday, February 7th, 2023. I'm your host, Paul Fritschner, and this is produced by Chatterbox Sports. This is your Daily Digest college basketball show where you can get your info on Cincinnati area college hoops every Monday through Friday in short episodes. It's Tuesday, which means Rick Broering, the publisher of MusketeerReport.com and NKU's radio analyst, joins me for this episode And Rick, let's talk about Xavier, let's talk NKU, and let's talk Cincinnati, too, this week. The Bearcats playing much better lately, pick up a nice quad two win over the weekend over UCF. And let's start there. Let's start with the Bearcats. UC starting to play better and starting to win games. You mentioned it on the Skinny Podcast last week. Starting to win games decisively that they need to be winning. And UC is getting better production out of Victor Locken. David DeJulius is playing as well as he ever has. And you see kind of has it rolling for what it's worth right now relative to their situation. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the comments I made on last week's skinny podcast was that not only have they been winning these games, but they've been covering all of them, which means that they are putting them away. And, you know, there was a time where it was a great betting strategy. If Cincinnati got up by 10 points or more in a game that you bet the other side if the line got to plus 14 or plus 15 because you knew Cincinnati wasn't going to put their foot on the gas and put that game away. They were going to let their opponent back into it. That hasn't been the case over the last two, three weeks, whatever it's been now, as Cincinnati's been on this roll. And granted, the doubters are still going to point to, yeah, but they don't have a quad one win yet. But uh, I think there are definitely positive signs for this UC team, and Wes Miller has the Bearcats playing the best basketball they have since he's been in charge. And this feels like a Cincinnati team right now that at least if you're pointing toward positives for the Big 12, I had Justin Williams on last week and he talked about it too, but it feels like you're starting to see signs that maybe all wasn't lost like you thought maybe in December and January that, uh uh-oh, this Things could be looking real bad going into the Big 12. This is not an at-large team this year. This is a team that's still going to have to win the conference tournament to get in the NCAA tournament. But at least right now, they're showing signs of life. Yeah, I think after that loss to Temple, people started to get scared. Like, oh, how bad is this going to get? And uh, is this going to be another repeat of last year where this team really folds down the stretch and uh, plays poorly in the American Athletic Conference? But that wasn't the case. And and one thing that I think that was interesting about this latest win against UCF is they did it in a different way than they've been winning a lot of their games recently. They didn't get that big three point performance from Jeremiah Davenport or Landers Nolly. I mean, David and Julia shot the ball well, but overall as a team, they were only at like 30% and they only hit seven threes. So it wasn't like some of the other games where they've gotten into those double digit three pointers. Um, They did it with defense and they held UCF under a point per possession. So I think that's the good sign, too, that they're starting to figure it out in all aspects of the game. It's not just guys getting hot from three point range. Let's talk Xavier now. Musketeers in today's AP poll or yesterday, as you all listen to this and Monday's AP poll. Musketeers moved up three spots to number 13 in the country. The second ranked Big East team Marquette moved all the way up to number 10. Xavier only has one game this week. That's against Butler on Friday night. Butler has severely underperformed this year. They are not playing well right now, but we'll get into that more as the week goes along. Let's first talk about this past week. Xavier 2-0 in their first week without Zach Fremantle. Beat Providence in overtime in a thriller and then easily handled St. John's in a game that was never close. Xavier got up 7-0 and never looked back. 
How much of that performance, Rick, do you feel like is a credit to Xavier for going 2-0 and without Zach in the first week without him, but they just they did okay before teams have started to adjust? Or is this a Xavier uh, that can sustain this kind of an effort here over the next three weeks? I think it's mostly sustainable. I, I'm not going to say that there won't come a time where not having Zach Freeman on the floor won't catch up to them, but uh, it seems like that would mostly come in the form of somebody getting hurt or them getting into early foul trouble with their front court, because what we saw from them in the Providence and St. John's game, and granted there was a stretch in the first half of that Providence game towards the end of the first half where they didn't have a field goal for over four minutes. And, and that caused some concern. And I started to think, Oh, is that a result of not having Zach Freeman out there? But that didn't happen again, and the offense has been very good for the last three halves, the, the second half of Providence and the two halves against St. John's. So I don't think that's much of concern. They have enough firepower aside from just that forward position, and even with Jerome Hunter in there at that, that four spot, I mean, he's been averaging like 10 points a game over those last couple with Zach Fremantle out, and, and he's capable of scoring if called upon. He can get to the rim off a dribble or two, and he can get some stick backs. He's been a good offensive rebounder, so I think they're going to be okay for the most part in that regard, and defensively is definitely an upgrade from Zach Fremantle. So, again, I think the biggest issue comes in the form of them getting into foul trouble or them getting injured. Des Claude has started to really come on the scene lately, played really well against UConn a couple of weeks ago, and then had a nice game again against St. John's, went three for three from three, had 11 points and only one turnover, and he's starting to look more confident with the ball. Yeah, I think he's really starting to catch up to the pace of the high major level here in Division One, And uh, whether it be his defense or him making reads coming off of screens and setting up his teammates and just passing the ball within their flow offense, or as you you mentioned, the three three-pointers he knocked down against St. John's, he's just showing more confidence in all facets of the game, and he's played really well the last two weeks. Let's talk now about your Norse, Rick. Where do we stand? I know it was a tough weekend against Youngstown State. You started the gauntlet of going on the road and having to play all these games away from Truist Arena. Uh, where do the North stand right now? Yeah, I mean, they, they didn't play very well at all in the game at Youngstown State. Now, they did play really well on Thursday night at Robert Morris, and Robert Morris has been a, a pretty good team this year within the conference, and that's been a tough place for NKU to play. They lost there last year, so... um I think that was a great performance, but then they turn around and they just get stomped at Youngstown State. Could never really get the offense going. Marquez work was once again held in check. He was two for six from the field in that game against the Penguins. And that seems to be the case more often than not. When NKU has struggled this year and, and not gotten the offense on track, it seems like they're a little over-reliant on Marquez Warwick and bigger, more physical, more athletic guards have been able to do a good job containing him. In this case, it was Dwayne Cohill for Youngstown state and a few of their other perimeter defenders, but they did a good job of taking him out of the game and NKU really never got anything going on offense. This week it's Wright state, a rivalry game in Dayton on Friday night. And then Sunday, the last home game of the season at Truist arena. Can you believe that February 12th? And it's the last home game of the season, IUPUI, for that one on Super Bowl Sunday. Um, Going to be kind of a roller coaster of a week, it feels like, to set up for, right? Well, I mean, it 
it's just a shame that one your 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 fans only have one home game the entire month of February to come out to. Two that you're having to host your senior day on February twelfth at a noon game or, or an early afternoon game on Super Bowl Sunday. None of that seems right to me. But um, to your point, yeah, you've got a big rivalry matchup against Wright State. NKU won the first meeting between these team two teams by 14 points, and it seemingly is a good matchup for NKU, but it's never easy to go into Wright State and get a win, especially with the way their fans are going to be up for this game with it being the rivalry. So that'll be a tough one. And then IUPUI is one of the worst teams in college basketball if you look at the metrics, but they've been playing much better over the last few weeks. They've had a few close calls against Purdue Fort Wayne against Cleveland state and against Milwaukee. And then finally they beat green Bay and, and green Bay's not very good. Although they did just beat Milwaukee themselves, but um, they won that game by 15 points. So this is a IUPUI team that is not nearly as bad as when NKU faced them at the end of December and they only scored 42 points. And IUPUI had the number one play of the day. It dunked the other night. I don't know if you saw that. That was incredible. Oh, yeah, and that was by a freshman, Vincent Brady. They've got a few freshmen on that IUPUI team that uh, could really help them get over this hump and get the program rolling again, at least to be competitive if they stick around for the next few years. Last thing here before I let you go, Rick, Kentucky got a huge one tonight against Arkansas. And if they win this, this is a a Kentucky team that's won six in a row in the SEC, six of seven overall, taking out that Kansas loss. Now, all of a sudden, you're you're looking at Kentucky starting to get back, kind of like you see where as you get into February, they're starting to look a whole lot better than they did about a month ago. The lineups are playing better. The team is more healthy. Uh, it, they're healthier. And and C.J. Frederick, Antonio Reeves is playing much better. So where do you see this Kentucky team going right now, Rick? Well, they've you, you know they've won those back-to-back games over Ole Miss and Florida, one on the road, one at home. And you just brought up that Arkansas game. If they can pull off this win, I think that firmly puts them into the NCAA tournament field. And that's not saying a whole lot for UK fans. They expect to be a protected seed every year. And I can't offer them that, but uh, right now they are on the bubble. And I I think you win this Arkansas game. It means you're definitely on the right side of the bubble. Now, most bracketologists have them in as a 10 or 11 seed already, but uh, this would be a a really nice win to, to get Arkansas here. And um, if they're able to do that, then, I think you can officially say they're rolling in the right direction, but um, another game where they take a step back and don't play very well and, and can't seem to to get the offense going. And I think it'd be fair to still have serious questions about this UK team and whether or not they're even going to make the tournament. Rick, as always, appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Paul. Well, I mentioned it a second ago, but a very busy night around the area, including that Kentucky game. We'll start a few games at 7 o'clock. Western Michigan visits Miami at 7 in a game that Miami very much needs to win if they want to play in the MAC tournament. Even still, they'll need some help. But a way to start, mentioned it on yesterday's show, got to start this week with wins over the two Michigan teams. Cincinnati is at Tulane at 7 o'clock. The Bearcats won the first meeting back in late December by 11. Dayton is at VCU for a rematch of that game from a few weeks ago that ended in a horrific loss for the Flyers at UD Arena. Of course, the Flyers were winning that game late. 
but choked it away to VCU, ended up winning. This one tips at seven in Richmond this time. Louisville is at Pittsburgh at seven as massive underdogs. And in the final area game of the night, talked about it with Rick, one of the most intriguing area matchups of the week. Kentucky squares off with Arkansas at Rupp Arena. Around the country last night, Miami, Florida stayed unbeaten at home with an 81 to 59 beatdown of Duke. And then in the nightcap, Kansas handled Texas pretty easily, 88 to 80 at Allen Fieldhouse. Tonight in a massive game for the Big East title race, Marquette is at UConn at 630. And in the obligatory good Big 12 game of the night, TCU visits Kansas State. Paul's pick of the day presented by Betfred Sportsbook was a loser last night. I had two picks on the Texas game. The one I decided to give out on the podcast was, of course, the loser. Uh, Texas was close to an incredible backdoor cover, but ended up losing by eight. Uh, They had a chance with a few seconds left for on a three to potentially get back into covering range, missed it, and then ended up fouling to lose by eight. Tonight, I will roll with the over 147 in Marquette and UConn. I think that's an intriguing total. They combined for 158 the first time they played. Marquette, of course, a great offense. This is a pretty good matchup for UConn, who will be favored in this game at home. I'll just take the points. That'll do it for today's Rebound Rundown. Thanks for listening, everybody. Enjoy your Tuesday, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.